You're listening to Once, episode 281, Murder Most Foul, Initial Reactions. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Aaron. And we have just watched this fantastic episode, Murder Most Foul. <laughs> of course, this greatness was an Espensode, as we call it. It was written by Jane Espenson and Jerome Schwartz. About halfway through, I thought, this has got to be an Espensode. And I looked it up. Sure enough, it was. Jane Espensode writes some of the best episodes, I think. She does, and I really felt like this episode was very true to the once upon a time we sort of knew back in the day, and it followed a lot of those same principles and tied up a lot of storylines, or at least one major one that I was wondering about. Yeah, so— Which is what happened to Spencer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and, and other things, we got little loose ends tied up. Some of them, I think, that we'd forgotten about or never really had quite the answer. Like, we haven't seen Spencer since season two. He was put into that hospital prison cell, basically. And in season two, when he killed Gus, you remember that horrible thing, trying to blame it on Ruby, and he also burned Jefferson's hat. We haven't seen him since then. And clearly, he's aged a little bit. So, Alan Dale, hope you're in good health. That's the actor who plays Spencer <laughs> and King George. But also, the other thing that from season one didn't make much sense to me. In season one, when we first met August, we saw him writing, adding things to Henry's storybook when he stole the storybook. Back then, we thought it was he was adding his story into the storybook and Henry said something like, oh, this story wasn't here before and certain things like that. Well, this episode gave us a little bit of, uh, I think, some more detail to that that showed that, no, August wasn't adding to it. He was rewriting it so he would sound better and look better. And see, I always thought that that was the case Anyway, so I could be remembering incorrectly, but we did. We were talking about this a bit in the chat. I thought that he had removed the part of the book that that kind of spoiled that he had gone through the wardrobe with Emma because he was ashamed that he had abandoned her in our world and also Geppetto, like he was ashamed that Geppetto had kind of made that demand, which basically led Emma to being an orphan in our world because otherwise... Snow and Emma could have gone through, which was the original plan. But that was six years ago, and (laughs) my memory might be rusty. Well, I think that's a good thing to believe that happened as well, and it makes a lot of sense. Basically, he saw things and knew there were things in the storybook that were embarrassing, that shed badly on him. And so he decided to take that out, rewrite the story and put it back in. And that's what we actually saw going on back in season one. That's cool to get more insight into that, into something that didn't exactly make sense back then. Whether this is retconning, I I don't really care. I like the way that they (laughs) explained it this way. But this episode had a lot more to it that was really good and... Oh, leaves us with quite a, a 
hanger at the end. Now, these are our initial reactions, so we are a bit all over the place and may not get everything correct in how we remember the episode or what we describe, but we'll have our upcoming full discussion soon, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time over at onespodcast.com slash live. Join us there. Send us your feedback. I'll tell you more about that later. But I want to jump straight to the end of this episode. So (laughs) from the beginning of this season, Regina was split And we had the evil queen then running around. And the evil queen gave David that token. And the whole purpose of giving him that token was so that he would discover the history of his father's death. And from that, it would cause everyone to tear yourselves apart. (laughs) And we thought that wouldn't actually happen because David seemed above that. And in fact, what David discovered was that his father didn't die a drunkard. His father was sober. His father was murdered. That's why he died. And it seemed like, well, that was a dud storyline. Now, (laughs) where they're taking this now, I mean, it's, it's amazingly clever and will make for a great story. But ouch. What do you think, Eric? Yes. I, that really threw me for a loop. I think it would have been okay if it ended before that, um, before we learned that Hook, you know, was actually the culprit of that crime. And it kind of makes you question everything. Like, was Hook even being genuine and talking David out of killing Spencer? Or did he know that Spencer was innocent of that crime? Well, he obviously knew Spencer was innocent of that crime, but where did his motivations lie in in that conversation and does i also wonder does august know now about hook was that even in the pages there's a lot of unanswered questions i don't think august knows and hook probably didn't even know this whole time until he saw the photo or the the drawing of david's father And I don't even know if we got a name for David's father, so I'll just be calling him David's father. But it seemed Hook didn't know until he saw him. And and when we saw in that flashback, when Hook was the one who killed David's father, Hook had no idea whom he was killing. He just knew, hey, look, this is King George's gold. There are King George's men. Here's this guy tied up to this cart. We'll kill him, get rid of him, get rid of the King George's men, and run away with gold. Who cares who these people are? So I don't think Hook knew until this moment. Yeah, that makes more sense. I didn't. It didn't even occur to me that Hook didn't already know. But it's true. He was like, how many people did he kill back then? He wouldn't have known that that was David's father. Yeah, I didn't think of that. What's especially so painful about this new revelation is Hook and David just had this awesome bonding moment and this this moment of Hook so amazingly earning David's trust and respect and now getting his blessing to, yes, finally put a ring on it. <laughs> and now, yeah, it, 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 all of that's potentially going to be crushed. And now maybe we'll see everyone tear yourselves apart. Yes, that's two <laughs> times in a single episode. I would hope that if Charming has been able to forgive the evil queen and he just let Spencer go, mm-hmm. that even if this comes out, he could be the bigger person. Hopefully we do get to see some more angsty Charming because I actually quite enjoy that. I think 
I don't know, just the depth of his character gets a little bit better when he's not all, you know, glass half full all the time. How does Emma put it? Infuriatingly optimistic. Hmm. But yeah, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with that. And will that affect his relationship with Emma as well? It seems like they have such a good thing going and he's finally going to put a ring on it. Good job, Hook, for getting serious about your relationship. (laughs) This is something that we'll see play out in the upcoming episodes. And I like that it's a new dynamic, something that is uh, going to create new conflict. No, it's not happily ever after. (laughs) Something's going to happen. Now, how they resolve that will be interesting. I don't think they'll resolve it negatively, like where Hook and Emma completely part ways and such. We'll see the characters deal with this, I think, and accept it and forgive it. But we'll see the struggle along the way, and that will make for good storytelling. It's probably also exactly what the Evil Queen was hoping for when she gave the coin. Because somehow she knew, or maybe she just was using it as a distraction, but... I mean, they seem to be pretty distracted in this episode anyway. I was very surprised to hear Emma was going on a canoe trip all day long when, you know, there's lots of stuff going on still. Snow and Charming are still cursed. Gideon's, you know, a threat at every turn. Just take Henry on a canoe trip. It's totally normal. And don't forget your life vests, though. Yes, of course. Well, you know who are our life vests for the podcast that keep the podcast afloat, keep us from drowning, and keep us safe on the canoe trips of life with the podcast? It's our wonderful heroes. That's exactly right. That's exactly who you were thinking it would be. And for this episode, I'd love to thank our heroes, Lisa Slack, Lisa R., and our 22 heroes on Patreon for their wonderful support of the podcast. We couldn't do this without you. Thank you very much for supporting the podcast financially. If you receive value from this podcast, would you consider giving value back? by becoming one of our heroes. It could be as little as a dollar per month or more. It's what value do you feel like the podcast adds to your life and to your enjoyment of Once Upon a Time? And you can decide what that is, and we ask that you give that back through oncepodcast.com slash hero. The other way that you can support the podcast and be producers of the podcast with us, I talked about this in our last episode, you can get sound clips for us. You can make things for us. If you want to make a musical, if you want to do some kind of mashup from audio from our podcast or from audio from the TV show, or you want to make segue audio for us or anything like that, you can create that and email it to feedback at oncepodcast.com and we may be able to use it in the podcast and you can be a producer of the podcast along with us. So it's a way you can participate with contributing your creativity. So when you feel like you can't send feedback, you can't afford to send us money to support the podcast, you've already written a review in iTunes or you don't know how to use the review system in iTunes or anything like that, but you want to participate in the podcast, this is a way you can do it by being your creative, amazing self that you are. So be a hero at oncepodcast.com slash hero or be a producer with us by emailing your things to feedback at oncepodcast.com. And thank you for your support. Robin seems to be getting set up as the new villain, which is interesting. It is. I loved the subtleties here. I definitely think it was a Jane Espenson thing where 
you know, Snow and Charming are having tea at the table. Snow makes this offhanded comment, you know, I kissed James once, world of difference. Mm -hmm. And then you can totally just see that that's what happened when Regina kisses Robin in the vault, that it's not the same person. And she kind of had that epiphany. That's just like good writing and good acting. Yeah, and settles that thought we've had before of, you know, this is a different guy. He only looks like the man you loved. Other than that, he's completely different. Oh, and he carries around a bow and arrow, so that's the same too. (laughs) Now it seems like he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the coming episodes because he's getting into magic, dark, scary stuff inside of Regina's vault, and... What is he out to do other than maybe simply to take revenge on the sheriff of Nottingham? And it seems maybe like the plan isn't just all coming together off the top of his head right now. It seems like it might have been thought out a little bit more. Do you think that he had this plan and that's why he came with Regina? Or do you think that it's just kind of a bonus that he's thinking of it right now? Oh, I think he's thinking of it as he goes along because he didn't even realize that the Sheriff of Nottingham was in Storybrooke until he saw the picture in the storybook. And then he could know, oh, so everyone in this book is here? Oh, so my old foe is here. Okay. And then later he's introduced to the magic in the vault. And I think now he's thinking, this is my way to get revenge. But anything else? I don't know. She's been very trusting with him considering he is a different person and she doesn't really know him. Mm-hmm. Like she told him everything that was in the vault. Oh, those are the hearts of my enemies. <laughs> this is all really dark magic. Here's how you get in. You knock three times and blood magic. And A, a no. <laughs> hilarious scene, by the way. And also the scene with David and Hook working with the potions doing the hokey pokey. <laughs> some <laughs> hilarious stuff in this episode. I was I was laughing a lot at yeah. some of these things. When they turned counterclockwise together. That was so great. I do really like, I'm very happy that, at least so far, the Robin Hood we know and love was not awoken when Regina and Robin kissed. I did not expect them to kiss so soon. I thought they would fall in love again, have true love's kiss, and that would awaken the Robin Hood that we know, and he would return to us. Uh, Now, we could still see that. But we didn't hear. It was like kissing a photograph. I hope we don't see that. I did wonder that when the kiss happened. And then I feel satisfied in knowing that they were trying to plant that other piece that her, like that Regina realized that it was a different person just going back to Snow's comment about kissing James. I don't think it's possible to awaken. I mean, this show makes everything possible, but I don't think I would be very happy with that happening. And everyone can send hate to my Twitter if they disagree. Yeah, as much as I want Regina to have her happy ending and to have the man she loves, story-wise, for following logic, I don't want to see that happen because of the way they've taken the story before. And I don't want a beautiful death to be undermined again, which they do so many times in the show. Even despite beautiful writing at times like this episode— Sometimes they just do some things that eh, I I think hurt the beautiful writing. I agree. And it's nice that in this, they brought Zelina back too for the obvious conflict of she's concerned about, he can't take my baby. And 
I think that could also be part of what this wish Robin is thinking is, I have a son. I have a daughter. I'm a dad. I'm going to go steal them from everyone. I'm going to be the new villain and protect myself with all of this magic. Maybe that's his motivation. Not thinking that uh, family is everything and I need to learn to love my family, but I need to steal my family because family is everything. Yeah, and Zelina seemed very protective of the baby that was not with her. And so where was that baby? Probably with the evil queen. So I have to question her parenting choices. (laughs) Since that's her only friend in Storybrooke. (laughs) And speaking of parenting choices in the flashbacks, again, excellent writing by Jane Espenson and Jerome Schwartz for this episode. Seeing that conflict of which son do we give up and... Yeah, to have one son alive or actually both sons alive, but keep one of them for yourself versus both of them die. That's a tough place. Yeah. So (laughs) I don't think we can just say, oh, they made the wrong choice or it was easy or something like that. But uh, nonetheless, what we saw was a father transformed by his love for his son and his son's love for him. And we also saw a little something in Rumpel. What was going on with Rumpel in the flashback? (laughs) He plays it so well, and I had no idea, even to the end, because he could have seen it all coming. I had no idea whether he was being genuine in trying to help Robert find James or whether he was setting Robert up for his demise. Robert, is that the father's name? I'm pretty sure that's what Rumpelstiltskin said. Okay. We'll, we'll catch that in the rewatch if it's in there, but I didn't catch that in this time. Okay. It, that's David's father's name. When he was, when Rumpelstiltskin was telling the story, let me tell you a story of a king named George. Oh, okay. I don't know. I thought that when we saw Rumpel asking for a hair from his head, which, I mean, Robert has about as much hair on his head as I have on mine now, (laughs) which isn't much. If you haven't seen a video of me lately, it's not much. That's why you should watch live over at oncepodcast.com slash live when we do the show live. And you can watch all the different hairstyles that I go through. Jeremy's hair just stays the same. (laughs) (sighs) But mine is gone. Um, But anyway, he wanted a piece of his hair. And I was thinking, oh, interesting, because later on he gets a piece of Charming's hair. So maybe this was like a, a, a piece leading him in the trail toward knowing who would be the one that I'd need the two hairs from for the true love potion so that I can make this curse. But no, he threw the hair away and said something that I think was the most human-like we've ever seen dark one Rumpelstiltskin say. He said, someday may we all be reunited with our sons. So do you think this was entirely his wanting to help a fellow father be reunited with his lost son? I think it might have been because he only took those actions. Like the only reason he stole the baby in the first place was to orchestrate the curse the dark curse that brought everyone to Storybrooke. Mm -hmm. So he maybe felt a little bit of remorse, like almost like this is what I have to do to get my son back. But, you know, he, he ends up doing the same thing, like taking other people's sons away. So he, he would have 
had to have been able to relate to that at least, even if he says it so flippantly, like, like at least, you know, you still have one son and how do you choose the child? And even that choice, like (laughs) I'm in no way justifying what Rumpelstiltskin did, but he made it as easy as possible. Like they would never have been able to choose which child to send to the king. So he, like the only thing that would make the choice is to flip a coin because it really didn't matter to him. They just needed a baby. He just needed a baby. Yeah. So this has been a great episode of Once Upon a Time. I look forward to unpacking this in more detail with our upcoming full discussion on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern over at oncepodcast.com slash live. And we want your feedback for that. What are your theories about what's going on? I'm sure you've got a lot of opinions about where things could go from here. So send us your theories by email or by voicemail or by sending a voice message through the website. All of that is available in the show notes as well as sharing this episode out with your friends over at oncepodcast.com slash 281. In the meantime, please connect with us on Twitter at oncepodcast. And I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Aaron on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. Also this week, we have the opportunity to get an early screening of Disney's new Beauty and the Beast. Jeremy and I will watch it here in the U.S. Aaron will watch it in Canada. And then we'll be together on March 17th, Friday evening, to share our review of Disney's Beauty and the Beast with you. We don't have a time yet for when we'll record that review. Maybe we'll even be recording it while you take your family to go see Beauty and the Beast but it will be available in the podcast feed for you. So that'll be coming up on Friday, March 17th. Watch us on Twitter or Facebook for our announcement of what time that will be because we'll live stream it as well. And there will be the first portion of the review will be spoiler free. So don't worry about that. Although I think we all know how Beauty and the Beast goes, but still there will probably be some things we don't want spoiled. So that'll be coming (laughs) also later this week over at oncepodcast.com. And until next time, get out! Our sons are not for sale. But thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to our heroes for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you would like to be a hero too, then please go to oncepodcast.com slash hero. And thank you for your support.